RevOps does not garner their own revenue. That's fine. But what we do is we save the company money by keeping systems and processes easy, keeping that CAC down, help mitigate churn by making sure processes are smooth. We save money for the company and we make things efficient on what we have. And I think the companies that are leaning into that and understand that are the ones that we're going to see really succeed as we move through this time period. Welcome to the OpStars podcast, where we talk to revenue operations pros at the top of their game so that we can collectively support each other through the sharing of ideas, learning best practices, and discovering innovative new strategies. I'm your host, Don Offos. Hey, thanks for uh, joining on this episode of the OpStars podcast. My name is Don Offos, and today we're going to be talking with uh, Trent Allen. Trent is the RevOps Manager for Automation and Systems at Maxio, which you may have formerly known as, I believe it was SaaS Optics, right? SaaS Optics and Chargeify, yep. Yeah, yeah, SaaS Optics. I can remember using SaaS Optics in the past. It's kind of a, a neat finance RevOps tool uh, to do a lot of fancy things with your numbers if you're in the SaaS business. So if that's you, take a look at them. Take a look at Maxio. Take a look at Maxio, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So yeah, today we just wanted to jump in. We're going to learn a little bit about Trent. Trent is a, an OpStars fanatic, and uh, I'm glad to have you as a, as a guest today. And thanks for having me, Don. Glad to be here. Yeah. So what I've been jumping into uh, in the podcast has really been kind of the journey in your RevOps career. And, you know, my my journey, you know, I didn't start out, you know, wanting to be in RevOps. It's something I kind of fell into. And I, you know, in talking with a lot of folks, I think I'm finding that that's the same thing. And so what I wanted to talk about today, I know now today you're like a RevOps star, obviously, but like in your past, like where did you get your start and and what was it about RevOps that really attracted you to to doing that as a career? Yeah, my career path has been nothing normal. <laughs> uh, it was not a straight path. There wasn't a lot of like, hey, I'm going to, you know, getting the tech and do all that. Like that was really not how I got here. So. I went to school, I got a teaching degree and a philosophy degree, or I was like, I was going to law school, then I was like, I'll teach, uh, degrees in special ed. Didn't do that because paychecks offered as for starting teachers was so low, it was kind of like shocking. I knew it'd be bad, but not $28,000 bad in Georgia, you know? I was already working in restaurants, they offered me management, they were going to pay me almost twice that. So I was like, I guess I'll do that for a while. So I did restaurant management for about 10 years along the way, worked for some pretty cool companies. If you're in the Southeast, King of Pops is one of them. I worked for Starbucks, cut a couple other places and got to that point where I had the influx periods like become a district or regional manager or leave and uh, didn't want to do that anymore. I was done working 50, 60 hours a week on call 24 seven, but like I'm running myself ragged and not really getting anywhere, but garnered a lot of really good skills during that. So I have a really good friend who was in tech for a while. He'd been telling me I need to make the change. And it seemed like, you know, that the time was right. And uh, I tried for a little while and then finally landed uh, an interview um, with SAS Optics. And uh, they took a chance on me. And what I knew what I had to do is what a lot of people do when they want to get in tech. And that's via BDR. So came in uh, as a BDR two weeks before the pandemic. Oh, wow. <laughs> so I started end of February. I believe the shutdown was March 15th or so. And um and they had no idea how to train someone remote or, you know, like, how do we even go about that? So kind of was the first remote trainee and um, kind of trudged through those first six months of being a BDR and dealing with the pandemic and the new way of selling and 
I was decent. I wasn't the best. I had the best numbers a lot of times, like calls and emails and prospecting. And I was putting in like the work. I was working on Sundays. I was like trying my best, but you know, I get on the call and I'm, I guess I'm not aggressive enough to like be a great BDR. And so I was kind of on the outs and my boss was like, yo, like, you know, we talked a few times is either you get out or, or you find something else to do. I refused to leave the company. I said, I'm not leaving. So I started talking to other managers and uh, I was talking to implementation. I was talking to support, just kind of figure out what they do. And uh, nothing really saying to me. So I, I just asked the CEO, I was like, hey, man, can we, you know, go have a beer and like, let's chat. He's like, yeah, sure. We talked for a while and uh, he's like, well, I have this project. I don't know if it's going to be a job after it. It's going to be for a few months. Like, it's just an idea we have. Uh, me and head of marketing has been plastering around for a while. He's like, I'll give you an opportunity to do that probably. Let me get back to you in a week or so. He came back to me, started this project called Prospect Journey. And um, this project actually got us our first finalist for OpStars. But basically what it was, was how do we target our prospects better? And that's through personas, size companies, suggested content, you know, user stories, things like that along the way of the cadences to like lead in a certain path of how people respond. Like if they click this cadence, like this particular asset, let's then send them this asset that builds on that. So like really targeting that. We saw some good success from that. And um, during that time, I took it upon myself. I was kind of doing cadence writing and managing sales loft. And we used Lean Data. But at the time, the CEO was kind of the architect. And I went and got my Lean Data certification and started building out the Lean Data stuff for this journey, which was heavily used during this. And uh, when that three months came up and we saw positive ROI, they were like, yeah, let's I think I think we're gonna hire you to take over this position. We're gonna have prospect journey analysts, whatever. And a lot of that's because I did lean data. And then from there, I just got really hungry. And we had a marketing ops person and we had like a Salesforce admin. And I just saw a lot of need, like being a BDR, working in the tools and being ops minded from running restaurants and everything, that like this could be better. Like I can make this better for people. So I just started like asking for more projects, being on things and like delivering. And I just kind of kept building and building. And then uh we got purchased by Battery Ventures and we were starting to merge a company. They had a formal RevOps leader and she was kind of a one person team with um, our BI guy. So there's two of them. Then formally became a RevOps person and at that point, formally about two years ago. And really have just continued that tenacity of like wanting to like dive in, get to know more tools, getting to help more teams. Like at the end of the day, my goal is to make, you know, someone's job 2% better. Because then they can go and work on, you know, customer relations or selling instead of like dealing with the tools because tools are supposed to be here to make their lives better. So I truly found like a passion that I really love. And uh, I get to use kind of all these haphazard skills. I get to use teaching for enablement and documentation. I get to use philosophy and like thought process of how people are going to use tools. I get to use operation skills. I have like management of people skills that come into play when integrating and enabling. So it's all kind of like come together in a real way. And that's how I got into RevOps. Yeah. Do you think that having the empathy of of having been a BDR yourself helps you in your role driving RevOps because of the fact that you know uh, a lot of the pains that that like a BDR has? hundred uh, percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think it's something that still my my VP will bring up to me. It's just like, you know, you you are unique to the team. You have this outside vision of like what it's like to be in those roles and. You think about that all the time when you're building things or you're trying to come up with new processes to like keep the end user in mind because you've been that end user. And I do definitely think that it helps a lot having that knowledge and it gives you a unique perspective. But it also, I think in my case too, is that means I've worked with sales and I've worked with marketing in a different role along the way that builds more trust as like a RevOps being its agnostic pillar like it is with us. 
that I can lean in and I have like champions on both sides because I know the kind of work that I can do for them and, and my mentality going into it. Yeah. What do you think would be like the number one thing that you do bringing that BDR empathy to the philosophy of, of what you're doing with RevOps? Yeah, I think kind of what I just said is like always thinking about that end user, right? Like I know that there are a lot of difficult jobs in tech. I don't know if there's a lot that are as difficult and repetitive as BDR. No one else in the company gets talked to the way they do on a daily basis by prospects. And um, and I think that that's what kind of created my core philosophy. Like I said earlier, like if I can make someone's job 2% better by making this process easier and make it more automated, having the right data in the right spot, that's huge. Like as a BDR, you were going in all these different systems trying to find the right data. But if we could have that in the CRM with like up-to-date information, like that helps their day-to-day and doesn't make it more difficult for them, right? So that philosophy from doing that, that empathy is kind of like reach now. And that's how I help all teams that I, I work with. Got it. So that the, the that project that you first worked on that ended up being the OpStars, what, what was the name of that again? So that was OpStar finalist. That was Prospect Journey. Oh, Prospect Journey. Right. And so that you really took that on as a BDR. I mean, you weren't even you weren't even in the RevOps role at the time, but you saw the opportunity to make the improvements. And by jumping in on that project as a BDR, that that really you know, kind of paved the way for you to to move into that RevOps role. Yeah, absolutely. I wanted to talk a little bit more more about that. So what was that project? You were, you said you were, it was it like building playbooks? Yeah, so it was building out the cadences, working with uh, demand gen on like messaging. It was building out the lean data routing, like understanding how we wanted to perform. And, you know, there were some a little bit later on enablement after we decided to go live with the whole team um, and managing it. But, and then also like working the leads, like I was doing both flight operations, some writing, building, and then also still like the person reaching out to these people, see if it was successful it was me and another individual. And he was a great friend. He was kind of in the same boat. His name is Mitch Zanotti. He's a great guy. He's doing some, some work. I should know his company name, but he's, he's great at what he does too. And I just leaned in more on the op side. Yeah, it was kind of doing it all at, at a little while, which I think in tech is a big thing, right? Like if you're in a young company, a startup company, less than 200, 150, you know, ask. And if you have great leadership, they're going to let you put your hands in. Just make sure you deliver and you deliver good work and accept when you fail and, and know how to reach out for help and things like that. And I, that's kind of what got me through the BR. So. And that really touches on something that I think a lot of a lot of companies lack. I think when they look at like a sales engagement platform, like a sales loft or, or an outreach, you know, they really believe that buying that, that platform is going to solve their problems, right? Because they, they know you may have folks that know that sales engagement is a table stakes technology to have, but they don't put the resources and thought into things like building the right messages in the cadences, you know, doing the analytics around what, what's working and what's not working. And if you don't have somebody, you know, prefer, you know, preferably it's somebody that's going to be on a RevOps function. But if you don't have somebody that that's doing that to to do that measurement to know what's working, what's not working, you know, you could set yourself up for fail when you're looking at a sales engagement platform and what what that success metric is going to look like. And I know one of the things that I've seen people do is, you know, again because when you buy a sales engagement platform, you know. <laughs> Salespeople aren't great at writing emails, right? They're not marketers, right? So you really need to have that investment of somebody on the content side that's going to help 
build those cadences with the right messages that align to the persona, that align to your ICP. And if you've not been thoughtful about it, if you don't have a real good project around it, similar to what you did, you know, you, you won't see that success. And so I do believe that your your that entry is available in, in the OpStars uh, library. So I know I encourage folks to, to take a look at it because I, I do think that is something that that a lot of people don't think about is doing doing those things that are going to make your sales engagement platform strategy successful as a lot more than just, you know, dropping it into a sales team and, and hoping it's going to work. Right. There's a lot of A-B testing, looking at analytics of clicks and opens, replies on certain messaging, certain tone. Something that SalesLoft has that I think a lot of people forget about is SalesLoft Labs, which is free. And it like will grade your email and your messaging based upon their whole like discography of like library of emails to see like what reforms best. and Doing analytics on that on a regular basis is really great. Something even like came out of the prospect journey, which is really interesting, was the need to better train the BDRs on messaging and taking a lot of steps of like, how do you craft a great message? What are the links? Like 175 words, like, you know, you know, put a illuminating question and like a proof and then, you know, a fact and then, you know, a call to act, you know, like really leaning in on teaching them to be better because we found that marketing language works. But it doesn't resonate when it comes from an individual person. So there's like tone and difference of pitch and everything that comes from the different entities. And we really learned that we have to be careful with having just marketing right for the cadences because there's a, like I said, that tone that comes off as marketing. And that's not what you want when you're doing personalized outreach. Yeah. And that's something that was really big for our team and still is. And they still do trainings. They still work on that all the time. Like, how do we make this message seem organic? From me, I've done research. How do I web that into what I think I know about the company? And not just doing a lot of cookie cutter. I mean, we have our sales loft quarterly, you know, account manager meetings. And something that always comes up is that we highly personalize a lot of our stuff um, more than the average, but we also have a higher average of reply rates. And, you know, so on the other metrics, yeah, you suggest we do 20% less fertilization, but we're also in every metric above the norm because we take the time to do that. So you're right. I think a big thing is there's a lot of analysis that has to go behind a good, you know, sales outreach platform to make it powerful. Yeah, and and it is an ongoing journey too, right? Like like I know I know one of the things that we we're always doing is trying to think of events, top of mind activities that are going on. You know, you want to do something aligned to the Super Bowl, right? You know, you, you a Super Bowl message or something in the something in the subject line that's going to grab someone's attention that's, you know, a current event. You know, Super Bowl. I think we did one for March Madness. You know, around different holidays. You know, there's always there's always something ongoing that you can be updating and changing and iterating on to really to really improve those metrics too. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like that's that's a kind of like more marketing comes in to help. It's like, hey, let's do this cool idea around, uh, you know, not having all your eggs in one basket and like boom, like let's, you know, do that or something like that, right? <laughs> and then having it being executed well is really good. I think too, something that we've done is we've shifted our BDR team from sales to marketing. They're under demand gen. I think they're under demand gen. Either way, they're under marketing. And I think that's really helped align efforts and give them more opportunity to like be creative in, in the way that they do things. And I know it's a little bit different. Some companies do that, but taking it out of the sales pillar is actually like shown us a lot of opportunity for growth and change of mindset of how like we attack outreach cadences and, and just outreach methods. So it's been really interesting. 
Yeah. So now that you're in the role, like what is like the the number one project that you're that you're tackling right now? Probably in-house partner. Okay. Like building partner portals in, in-house that could be like customer referral, outside referral, partner outsourced, co-seller, like that kind of stuff. Like trying to figure out, I think a lot of people are doing the same thing. Like how do we make this work in a way that is seamless on the back end? And can take everything in consideration so that it gets into the hands of the right person so that we can, you know, chase it down and then also reward the referrer. So that's kind of like a pretty, pretty big multifaceted thing. Like it's taking a lot of, you know, it impacts a lot of teams. So we have like myself and marketing ops, our Salesforce admin, our BI guy, like everyone's kind of touching it along the way to like really make sure that we're getting the, the right aspect of it. And it's not that like we don't have one, but we want to make it better and we want to make it more scalable and we want to make it more user-friendly uh, going back to that end user thing. So I'd say that's probably the biggest ongoing project. We have some fun implementations we're doing right now. Some, you know, through lean data, there's some re- lean data, you know, rebuilding going on as, you know, climate's shifting out there and sales and marketing teams are shifting and like making all those updates seamlessly um, on the back end is always an ongoing big project too. What are you guys working on? <laughs> oh, for us? Well, like, I mean, I think I'm a partner. I mean, for me, I shifted from going from RevOps into partnerships, right? Because um, you know, we really we really felt that this year uh, at Lean Data that our our partners are really what's going to drive our growth. And so, you know, uh, Evan, our CEO, came to me and said, Don, nobody knows the tech stack better than you. Uh, if we're going to go out there and partner with people, you know all the tech stacks. So would you want to go do partnerships? And so that's that's really what I've been I've been working on is looking at the technology partnerships that are out there, you know, trying to understand the the landscape of, you know, who do we want to partner with? Who do we want to integrate with our platform? Who do we want to collaborate with? You know, what are the what are the complementary technologies that are out there? So like the biggest thing that we recently did uh, would probably be our integration with Crossbeam. I don't know. Are, are you for, for your partner project? Are you using any sort of partner overlap technology like a like a Crossbeam or Reveal? Not yet. Not yet. Yeah. So the thing about Crossbeam, what it does, uh, and, and it really depends on what your partner ecosystem looks like, right? But what we do is, is you know, Crossbeam is great at looking at, okay, hey, uh, here's all of our uh, customers' prospects, open opportunities, and your partner's customers' prospects, open opportunities. And then they basically drive the overlap of understanding where you might have, you know, a gap where I might have a customer and you have a prospect, so I want to reach out to you, right? The way that it works is it is a custom object in Salesforce, so there's not too much you can do around automating and you know notifications and things like that. And so you know we've developed an integration that's going to allow you to do some pretty fancy things, taking the information that you get from your other pieces of tech stack and run those triggers based on what you see from the data you're getting from Crossbeam. Yeah, it's really awesome. Yeah, we're really excited about that. That's probably the big project that we're working on right now. And again, you know, the whole the whole thing with with that I the, the philosophy that I've always taken with with RevOps is that you know we we kind of own the journey of what the customer experiences, and you want that to be the most amazing experience ever, right? You you want them to buy from you not because you not only because you have an amazing product or service, but because the customer experience is amazing, right? Like. I, without naming names, you know, I can think of a, of a company that has amazing product, but some of the worst, I mean, everybody I talk to that has ever used this company uh, has the worst customer experience ever. And no one wants to use them because of that, even though they have really good technology, 
right? And so, you know, I think for, as as RevOps, you know, it's really our job to to make sure that, you know, from the moment somebody comes in as a lead, turns into a prospect, is reached out to by an SDR team or a BDR team, converts to a meeting, an opportunity, gets handed off to a sales rep, and then from there, you know, becomes, runs into, goes to implementations, you know, becomes a customer, turns into customer success, and hopefully eventually hand it off to a renewals person, right? I mean, there's there's all these things that happen along the way in that journey. And that person as a customer is, you know, from a prospect to a customer is going to touch a lot of people at your organization. And you want, I, I have always felt that our job in, in RevOps is to make sure that every handoff that happens is seamless. You know, every person that inherits that action as, you know, when they come into that person as a, as a meeting and I'm MAE, I want all the context of what marketing activity was that they came in on, what were the notes from the BDR, right? You don't, as a prospect or a customer, you don't want to feel like you're starting from square one every, every time, time, every time you're talking to somebody new, right? The company, right? Uh, that's like, the, that's the worst experience. So having all that context, you know, I, I really feel it's our, it's incumbent upon us in RevOps to make sure that that baton gets handed off. And it's crisp, clean, and and everything that the the prospect or the customer experiences when they talk to that next person is just an amazing experience. I agree. Yeah, I think prospect journey taught me to meet the prospect where they're at and try to like empathetic of what drove them to be there and like listen and like then make sure that during the sales process it's very much handled. In a way that, like you said, there's seamless passing information. You're not answering the same questions. You're not meeting 18 people. And then the next step, which would be you sign. Okay, great. Now let's have a seamless handoff to implementation. Let's now start the beginning customer journey to be great. Because that's when you really start to, to create that relationship and that buy-in. And that's where the salespeople's words are backed up and really sets that foundation before it even gets to, you know, full live product, you know, with support and CS, right? So. And I definitely agree with you. RevOps is challenged with that. And uh, hopefully we do it really well, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and then as such, you know, uh, RevOps touches so many facets of the company uh, as a result of that, right? Like we're working with marketing where we might, we're probably working with product on some level. We're working with sales, obviously, you know, we're working with finance for reporting for numbers. You're working with customer success. You're working with support, you know, because, you know, all the tech that we manage ends up touching all of those different groups, you know, you get exposure, being in RevOps, you get exposure to so much of the company. It's it's almost, pe- people that look at RevOps is like, oh, it's it's under sales. It's a sales function. Isn't, isn't looking at it the right way, in my mind. I completely agree. I see people all the time. It's like, it's not marketing ops, it's not sales ops. Yeah. We're great because our company has always been operations focused. SaaS Optics is very methodic of slow growth and do it right. And we have a great leader, Chris Weber, and he was always big on investing in something like, you know, RevOps. We had a data team, things like that. And it's great because now we are our own pillar of the company. And I know that doesn't work for everybody, but it should really be considered because when you do that and you're that source of truth, like I talked about earlier, we help, like you said, we, we have a sale, we have a sales ops function. We have marketing ops. We have our admin. We had CS ops. You know, we help with finance. We help with product. We help, you know, like it's, it's crazy. If you just, if you pigeonhole it into sales or marketing or just GTM, you're not getting the full juice out of the individuals that are in there. I know we talked the other day that like RevOps does not garner their own revenue. 
that's fine. But what we do is we save the company money by keeping systems and processes easy, keeping that CAC down, help mitigate churn by making sure processes are smooth. We save money for the company and, and we, uh, we make things efficient on what we have. And I think the companies that are leaning into that and understand that are the ones that we're going to see really succeed as we move through this time period. We are really the enablers of efficient growth. That's what everyone's talking about right now, right? There was growth at all costs and then economic downturn and everyone's like, okay, now we have to do efficient growth. Like if you want to do efficient growth as an organization, you have to make sure that you have a fully vetted and you know a RevOps team that touches all the parts of your business uh, to make sure that that efficient growth happens and gets executed on. Absolutely. And if you run on OKRs, we kind of become the keeper of the company OKRs because we're the ones that are most in know. And so when you're getting all those requests from all these teams, you can help prioritize everybody and be like, yeah, that's a great idea, but like this isn't a main priority OKR. This, you know, we're, you know, these are the things that we need to focus on because this will drive X, Y, and Z. But then we are the people that have the data that we can give people to back it up. It's like we're the creators of processes and thought. We we know how to work with the teams to do that, but we're also the data people that say this is why we're making these decisions. And I think you're right. Like uh, enabling sustainable growth, or I believe is how you put it, maybe a little reworded, but it's super important. Yeah. And I, and again, I think the companies that we see successful coming out of this economic uncertainty are the ones that leaned in and found out how to do that. Something you had mentioned earlier was we make sure tools are connected and things like that. And the reason why that's you know so important is the shiny new tool isn't going to solve all your problems. Like we're talking about outreach tool, right? It's all about how do you set it up? How do you integrate it? How do you enable it? How do you continue to monitor it? How do you make it better? How do you use it beyond its normal features and see its other features that then you can like incorporate with other tools to like get the full juice out of it? Because that's going to give you and your team that extra oomph that they need that in a competitive landscape might give you that edge. So it's kind of where we're always thinking. I'm sure you guys are too. Yeah. I mean, that that has to be what you described has to be in the document of any any technology that you're evaluating today, right? It's not like it's just going to solve the problem that they say that they're going to solve. You having the right attitude as a RevOps professional is okay, great. How am I going to support this? How is it going to drive revenue? How am I going to drive pipeline? You're right. You, you, I mean, you need to answer those questions for yourself. And if that product or service doesn't address it, then you pass. Absolutely. What are some of the new technologies that are out there that that you see that you are evaluating or that you're looking at or that 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 are interesting? Like, what what are, what's out there that you see? Yeah, something I've been excited about for a while and. Not going to say we've gotten traction or not traction internally, but mutiny is something that I've really enjoyed. I love the idea of like mutiny. So they do like persona based websites. So based upon the information that's stored, you know, then they can say like, Oh, this is a RevOps person. Let's give them ROI videos and stuff based upon a RevOps persona or finance or whatever. So it's like, again, going back to that prospect's need and really getting the right message to them. I think that's widely like super cool. Six Sense is another one. User gems is another one. Funny enough, it's like ones that I know we data uses too. I think, I think you'll start to find, and you probably know this, but a lot of tech companies that have great operators and, and are in the same kind of space are using a lot of the similar tools, if not the same tech stack a lot of the times. Um, and there's a reason for that, right? Like there's an absolute reason for that. It's, it's there, you know, it's because we see the potential of those tools and what they can do beyond their face value, right? But yeah, those are, those are some of them. I know we just purchased a new attribution for marketing model that I'm super excited about. 
and try not to share too much information. Yeah, I think yeah, we talked about this yesterday. It's like, it's like, you know, like competitive edge things, like maybe we're doing something our competitors not. I don't want to give that away, but okay, well, don't give away too much. <laughs> yeah. But I tell people all the time, like, not even needing to like evaluate new tools. It's reevaluating the tools you have because everyone's putting out new features all the time. And if you're unhappy with a tool, there could be many reasons why you're unhappy. Was it implemented correctly? Was it enabled correctly? Have you kept up with the updates they've done? What if they've solved what you're frustrated about, but you haven't kept up with that, right? And that's something that's put on my plate is before going out and looking at new tools, see what your current tools can do. Because there's a good chance they're trying to go wider in the market and that they have functionality now that can solve what you're already looking for. Now, niche programs are great because they're going to be better at it because that's what they focus on. But then you, you know, blow your tech cost down. So, yeah, I mean, always looking for the best solution. It's just as the ROI there, the change cost there. I think a lot of people forget change cost when they factor in a new tool. You know, you got to decouple automations and re-enable people and reset it up. And it can take a long time to get efficiency out of a tool when you already have a similar tool in, in the works. So I'm sure you guys have experienced that as well. Yeah, no, we run into that. As a wrap up, the last thing I wanted to ask is, you know, who in the world of operations would you most likely would love to take to lunch? Like who would you like to sit down and have a lunch with? So now I'm going to give you a long better answer. I, I have the privilege of being in a community call with robots. Yep. And in that community, it's, it's a collective group of RevOps professionals. There's no selling inside there. It's just each other helping each other out. I've been able to meet a lot of great people within that group and have lunch with a lot of great RevOps movers and shakers, including like Keith Jones and James Zarker and uh, Cliff and Jackie Leahy and Zach Dawson and like, uh, gosh, people are going to be mad. Eric, Errol Toger and uh, Eric Lopez. Like the list goes on and on. Brad Smith, right? Someone I have not met. And that I would love to have lunch with is Jordan Henderson. I love his content on LinkedIn. I think it'd be a great guy to like finally rub shoulders with and, and have a lunch with being as I've had a lot of experience with a lot of great people, but he's somebody I haven't quite crossed paths with. Great. Yeah. And I think that touches on another thing too. Like, you know, the, the RevOps communities that are out there, Wizard of Ops is a fantastic one. You know, if you are a RevOps professional, take a look at Wizard of Ops. It's a fantastic group. Yeah. Even if you're RevOps curious, yep. it's a great group to be a part of. I've definitely given advice and met with people there trying to get into RevOps and like, you know, trying to help them along. And there's lots of people in the group that will do the same thing. So if you're RevOps curious, it's great. Just don't come in there trying to sell a product. Yeah, no, that's a no. It's, it's a very anti-pitchy group. So more than welcome to come in and gain knowledge and learn. But uh, if you're a BDR trying to get in, don't, don't then be like, oh, we have this tool that does this because, you know, it's not going to sit well with that community. So. Okay, great. Well, hey, Trent, I really appreciate uh, your time today. Uh, looking forward to, to seeing you at OpStars later this year. And I encourage you to uh, take a look at what uh, Trent has submitted in the OpStars library. And yeah, we'll have a link to Trent's LinkedIn if you want to reach out to him. Yeah, please do. And that LinkedIn, uh, that OpStars library is about our merge and how we took two Salesforce instances and made it into one. And the process that leaned out ahead and the tools that we use. It's a really interesting story. It was our third submission or a three-time finalist, one-time winner, finally. I'm <laughs> not going to apply this year for an award, but uh, it feels great. It's a really, really great story. Myself and our VP of RevOps uh, kind of tell it and uh, definitely an interesting one. So check it out. Awesome. Thanks, Trent. The OpStars podcast is brought to you by Lean Data. To find out more about us and our suite of Salesforce native products for marketing, sales, and revenue operations, 
head to leandata.com and then make sure to search for OpStars in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, or anywhere else that podcasts are found. Make sure to click subscribe so you don't miss on any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at OpStars and Lean Data, thanks for listening.